What, what could he have gotten, you think, for a punter? I've never – that ever happened? Like, yeah. Trade? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a fifth-round pick at least. Let me see here. Trade, punter, NFL. I've never – I mean, I'm sure it happened, but I can't name one time, top of my head, when a punter got traded. So the Browns once traded Andy Lee to the Panthers for a fourth-round pick. Andy Lee was like an all-pro. So yeah. may, I'm like still surprised no one would have given like a conditional six. You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Alright, hello everybody and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Week 2 of the preseason is in the books and the Patriots sitting pretty at 2-0 with a 22-17 victory over the Tennessee Titans. Not many starters were on the field, but that's okay. A lot happened on the field, a lot happened off the field. I'm here with Rich Hill to break it all down for you. Rich, how are you, man? I am doing well. We finally get some actual real football this week (laughs) when uh, probably the Patriots starters will be playing against the Carolina Panthers. But, uh... A lot of things happening with New England right now. We'll break it all down on this podcast. Not only did they defeat the Tennessee Titans, a lot of roster moves taking place. Really excited to talk about that. But before that, Alec, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I still can't believe this is the kind of final two weeks of summer. Labor Day is right around the corner. I'm always amazed at how fast it goes by. And on the plus side, as much as I always lament the end of the summer season and the long nights and the summer Fridays, for those that get them, it means that real football is right on the corner and I could not be more excited to start watching real actual games, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's start with talking about the Patriots 22-17 victory over the Tennessee Titans from last Saturday. Uh, You know, not a lot of real big standouts from the veteran side of things, but A lot of good performances from the Patriots youngsters. I'm pretty excited. I think we should start with the offensive side of the ball. Who caught your attention, Alec? Yeah, good question. You know, there were very few starters out there due to either injuries or just resting guys or what have you. But I was very excited to look at Damian Harris. It was my first time looking at him, and he did not disappoint. 14 carries, 80 yards, had a couple of receptions as well. I think four catches for about 20 yards or so. Explosive, has a couple of nice jump cuts. He was a good blocker in blitz pickup. Overall, in a very crowded backfield, uh, I think the Patriots picked Damian Harris at the third round for a reason, and he showed it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Patriots probably had a first-round pick on him in the 2017 draft, or I should say the 2018 draft when they picked Sony Michelle, but Harris elected to go back to Alabama. He's gained over 1,000 yards in three straight years in the SEC, so I'm sure Bill Belichick had his just drooling watching that opportunity for him to fall down into the third round. So I think that was a great debut for him. I think he clearly showed that he has a little bit more upside than Nick Brissett, the other fellow rookie out of LSU. So Harris had 103 yards from scrimmage on 18 touches. That's fantastic. I really liked what I saw from him. And when it comes to where he falls in on the roster, Sonny Michel, absolutely going to be the lead back. But I think the potential development of Damian Harris, we'll probably see a little bit more of him next week against the, the Panthers as Burkhead continues to work his way back. But I would have to say that if Harris continues to develop this way, he could be, you know, a really good 1B to Sony Michel. 
Do you see him in kind of a like Garrett Blunt style role where they limit Sonny Michelle's snaps, especially earlier on in the season, keep him fresh for the postseason and the playoffs, give him some goal line touches, drive fantasy owners mad, that kind of uh, strategy for the Patriots? Uh, you know what? Honestly, I don't think that that's too far out of the question because you look at what Sonny Michelle was able to do. He was a great runner. I think Michelle, if they get down to the five yard line, I would expect Michelle to get the ball a fair amount of the time. But when you saw how the Patriots operated inside the red zone in general, they like to use Rex Burkhead. They like to use him because he was a threat as both a receiver and a runner. It kept defenses on their toes. And the more versatility you have in the red zone, the better. And you just look at Damian Harris. I mean, he has four receptions uh, in one single game. Can you remember the last time that and like Sony Michelle or any other Patriots like rookie had that ability out of the backfield? I, so I, I think that Harris shows that he can do both. And if there is going to be an opportunity for him to take snaps away from Michelle, it'll be as soon as they get into the red zone and he'll just keep on cooking. I'd be all for that, especially because running back, not just Sony Michelle, but running back in general is an injury risk position. You take a lot of hits, you're getting banged up back there. So the more bodies they have back there, the better, and the more ways they can spell each other and keep the legs fresh for the late December into late January run. I am all for that. How about you, Rich? Who was your offense to stand out on the Titans game? Well, it's very easy to point out uh, Jacoby Myers, who has continued to play some excellent football out there. He had uh, six catches on all six targets for 82 yards. He was easily the most reliable target for the Patriots. I mean, other than uh, Damian Harris, who caught a lot of his out of the backfield, Myers was the only Patriots receiver to catch multiple targets. Uh, he was clearly Jarrett Stidham's best friend out there. And in two games, Jacoby Myers has 151 receiving yards and two touchdowns. And I cannot state this enough. He has been reaching new ground. I mean, the, the, there has not been a Patriots undrafted rookie that has been doing this, been playing at this level during the preseason. I think it's really important. I was actually talking to my uncle and he was just like, you know, I'm just a little bit concerned uh, about what Jacoby Myers potential actually could be because I mean, we saw what happened with Kembrell Tompkins and, you know, Tompkins was big, you know, he showed a lot during the preseason in 2013 and he ultimately became one of the Patriots top targets out there just out of necessity. But what makes Jacoby Myers so different from Kembrell Tompkins Tompkins' first two preseason games in 2013, he had five catches for 26 yards, right? So Jacoby Myers has just blown that out of the park. You look at all of the other preseason standouts that have happened at the receiving end. Most of their production comes in week four, if garbage time, if they're an undrafted player. Very few players have been able to produce as much as Myers in the first two. So he has not only done a great job solidifying his roster spot, I think that he has made a very strong push to actually become a starter. So if you had to gamble right now, Rich, and place a bet on Jacoby Myers being in the starting lineup for the Patriots come week one against the Steelers, are you taking that bet? Absolutely. I, I definitely wow. think that Jacoby Myers would be the starter. I mean, you look at who the alternatives are. Uh, Edelman coming back from injury. Maurice Harris coming back from injury. Nikhil Harry, also a rookie and uh, coming back from injury. Potentially Josh Gordon, more on this later, but coming back from suspension. So 
of the players, you know, what Bill Belichick's favorite thing to say is the, the number one ability is availability. And so he has been available. Mac uh, Jacoby Myers has gotten better and better every single week. He has been available. He's been developing his rapport with Tom Brady. He's been developing it with the first team. He's developing it with, I mean, clearly Jarrett Stidham. So he has done enough to earn that roster spot. And we'll see if he can take something and, and run with it once the, the regular season actually begins. I don't want to raise the expectations too high. But if, if he finished the year with, you know, 600 yards and five touchdowns, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, we will see that rapport with Tom Brady you just mentioned this Thursday at Pan when the Panthers come to Foxborough. We're going to talk about that game in the second half of the podcast. But, yeah, overall, I think those were pretty much only two standouts. I thought that Brian Hoyer had a so-so day. It wasn't on the field that much. Six of eight, 55 yards and a pick. Kind of a bad pick. Left receiver stared him down. Jarrett Stidham came in. Looked pretty good in relief. 193 yards, a touchdown, 14 and 19. Any uh, any progression you saw from Jarrett Stidham that you liked? Any regression you didn't like out of his performance on, on this, this past weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked his ability to extend plays on third down. We saw that in the first week of the preseason, too, but his ability to scramble and get first downs to extend drives is fantastic. I mean, it was a little bit Alex Smithy in a way, you know, where it's like if you have to focus on the quarterback's potential to scramble, that opens up a lot of opportunities, especially with all of the Patriots running backs, potentially receivers. So if you can have a quarterback that can stress the linebackers and coverage, It'll open up the field for, you know, James White to be a thousand yard receiver on the year. But I don't want to get too far or too high on our expectations for Jarrett Stidham. But I talked a little bit about Jacoby Myers and how he's setting new ground for Patriots undrafted rookies. I'm going to uh, point out how impressive Jarrett Stidham has been uh, in the preseason. So I've been actually compiling all of the Patriots preseason stats under Bill Belichick. And uh, I, I, I want to point out that Stidham has been outstanding. I'll have more posts on this on PatsPublic.com later this week. But one metric that I think is very important is adjusted yards per attempt. And all of the stat heads will point out and say that this is the most important metric. It's basically a better version of the passer rating. And what it does is it attributes a yard value to a touchdown and a yard value to an interception. So you can look at how many yards essentially came from the quarterback. And the the great stat is called adjusted yards per pass attempt and it's essentially it's, a, it's another efficiency stat it's showing that all right if you give this quarterback the ball this is how many yards you can expect to come out on average and when you look at the Patriots preseason stats so this is going back to 2000 looking at quarterbacks I'm just saying all quarterbacks I'm going to run through the all-time list of adjusted yards per attempt Number one is 2017 Tom Brady, who had an adjusted yard attempt of uh, 10.9. And so Brady completed 75% of his passes, 241 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Number two is 2010 Tom Brady. <laughs> number three is 2014 Tom Brady. <laughs> and number four is 2019 Jarrett Stidham. Wow. And so I, I don't, I mean, he has done it against backups clearly in, in the first two games of the preseason, but uh, it still counts for something. You know, I, if, if you even just sort by passer rating, uh, Stidham falls behind also 2013 or 2003 Tom Brady 
and 2002 Damon Heward, but he's still up there as one of the best preseason quarterbacks in, you know, under Bill Belichick. He's ahead of all of the Jimmy Garoppolo seasons. He's ahead of the Jacoby Brissett. And he's up there with those top Tom Brady seasons where you just want to list those again. 2010, 2014, 2017, those are peak Tom Brady seasons. And so it's preseason. These are box scores, scouting. Jarrett Stidham did make some passes that he would probably like to get back. He was forcing some. He had one little raindrop that he was fortunate that was not intercepted as a pick six that he dropped over, I believe, to uh, Eric Salbert. But overall... I like what I saw from Jared Sinem. I'm like I haven't been this excited about a Patriots rookie quarterback in a long time. Not since Jimmy Garoppolo was connecting with uh, with Brian Timms. I think they had a pretty monster preseason back in like 2015 or 14. 14, I think that was Rockwell's rookie year. Yep. Yeah, I mean, look, good for him. <clears throat> Rock on. Hopefully, we don't see him ever again this season after Week Four. But he's taking advantage of his reps. I think all you can really do in the preseason is take advantage of the reps you're given. And I wonder. Do you think there's any way, Rich, that perhaps Stidham leapfrogs Hoyer on the depth chart as a number two guy? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if you're looking at how you want to construct this roster, uh, I mean, you can't find many better backup quarterbacks than Brian Hoyer in the entire league. So there is value there, especially as Tom Brady is older. But if I'm the Patriots and I'm trying to figure out who can I keep and who can I afford to like test free agency and try and stash on the practice squad? Um, I don't know. I mean, like if, if you're looking at the receivers, you're having Julian Edelman, you'll probably have Philip Dorsett. You have Harry and Myers. Those are your four. Probably you're going to have Maurice Harris, probably going to have Josh Gordon, Demarius Thomas. Those are all names. Maybe Thomas starts on the pup list, but if you're going to keep Brian Hoyer at backup quarterback over one of those receivers, I mean, I see the argument for it, but it's definitely something worth considering. No, it is. I'd be very curious to see what the final 53 looks like, especially with the, the, the change recently to the one round of roster cuts. going to be a lot of very talented unemployed players in a couple of weeks. And I'll be curious to watch that. Speaking of talented backups, Tennessee's got one in Ryan Tannehill. As far <laughs> as backups go, he's one of the better backups in the league. We saw him in Miami for several seasons getting whooped on and whooping on the Patriots uh, in, in, in full full disclosure. How do you think the Patriots defense did overall against the Titans backups? Again, I mean, this was a great showing for the, the Patriots youngsters out there. I thought Chase Winovich did an outstanding job. I thought Byron Cowart did a great job. Really liked what I saw from Juwan Williams at cornerback. So you go at each level of the defense, and the Patriots had a standout. I mean, if, if you were, you know, Bill Belichick or even just scouting this team, Alec, who would you say was the best player on the Patriots defense? Well, if you took an easy layup for your offense, I will take an easy layup for the defense and take the newest Patriots folk hero, Samson Chase Winovich, who had six tackles, two tackles for a loss, a sack, a lot of pressures. And my favorite play of the game actually was a, a successful run play. The Titans had about 12 or 13 yards on the run. He chased down the back from behind and brought him down and made the tackle in the, in the, the secondary. What a motor on this kid. I really like what I see out of him. He's got good instincts. He's got good lateral movement. He's got good uh, ability to, to diagnose plays ahead of time. I really don't know what his role will be once these games start to matter because that position's so deep, their defensive line and their linebacker core. But I think he's got the versatility and the motor and the intelligence to make an impact on this team. And I know Rob Ninkovich is on the sideline doing some kind of sideline commentary. He's got to be doing a number 50 proud. 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you look at those edge defender players because the Patriots are probably going to be playing a lot more out of their 3-4 defense. So they're throwing back to the beginning part of the the Belichick-Brady era. And you're right. I mean, they have so many players on that edge spot. You have John Simon in addition to Chase Vinovich. Uh, you have both Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins. Even Dante Hightower can play out there in a pinch. You know, you have some younger players, or I guess newer faces, I should say, like Shalit Calhoun that has been standing out, and Derek Rivers, but both of those players are dealing with injuries. And that's not even mentioning Dietrich Wise, who is looking to kind of play more on the defensive line as a backup to Michael Bennett. Looking at that edge spot and seeing how Chase Winovich uh, has really stood out, yeah, what, what do you think his role is going to be? It's hard to say right now, but do you think that he could see a lot of time in that rotation because I've been very impressed with what I've seen in the preseason. No, I totally agree. And I think the real question is, will he be an edge defender? Will they make him kind of like a a running down linebacker? Will he be a pass rush specialist? Will they bring him in where it's clear passing down so we can wreak havoc? I don't know. It's a good problem to have. I really think it's all about his his need to to know the playbook well enough to be relied upon, and can he transition between linebacker and defensive edge seamlessly? That's easier said than done, being able to become a linebacker for downs one and two, edge guy for down three. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work out. And as we've seen in the past, edge defenders, they get banged up a lot as well, so maybe it's kind of a, a Damien Harris situation where you mitigate his snaps a little bit and only bring him in uh, in relief duty unless you have some kind of injury problems. But again, really good problem to have. Uh, I love the quote he had afterwards. How he's been since he was a little kid. His grandmother gives him. I saw his grandma gives him five dollars in a chocolate bar every time he <laughs> plays a good game. Uh, so that's kind of his motivation to get a five dollar bill from Granny. So hopefully they're adding up and he's going to take that Granny Social Security check and, and stretch it nice and thin this season. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, like this is honestly one of the best rookie classes I've seen in a very long time for New England, and I can't honestly remember a time where I've been so excited for their immediate contributions. I mean, like maybe 2015, possibly, you know, when you had that Trey Flowers and Shaq Mason combination, but even they took some time to develop, you know, Flowers had that red shirt rookie year, Shaq Mason took a year to develop into the, the premier guard that he is right now. But looking at the Patriots roster right now and like kind of just looking big picture, uh, I think Chase Winovich could have a huge role. I think Byron Cowart, uh, you know, he could push, you know, the Danny Shelton, Adam Butler player for time in the middle of that defense, especially if they're looking for three defensive linemen on the field at times. Uh, You have both of those players in the front that are having an impact. I thought Jawan Williams did an outstanding job in the secondary. He was targeted, I believe, five times and didn't allow a single completion and had two pass breakups. So really good job on that end. Uh, And then on the offensive side, we already talked a little about Jacoby Myers and Damian Harris and Jarrett Stidham, not even to mention Nikhil Harry. So who knows what his eventual role will be. This seems to be a great draft for the Patriots. This seems to be like everything New England could have possibly asked for to set up Tom Brady for the remainder of his career. And I'm just like so excited. And so if you looked at the Patriots rookies on the roster right now, which one do you think will have the greatest impact? You know, we've seen two preseason games. Which rookie do you think will have the most impact over the course of the 2019 season? Yeah, that's a good question. And I just feel like just the nature of the position and the nature of how the game of football is played, 
it's easier to skew defensively for that question. You can say Jacoby Myers, but receiver is a very hard position to learn, especially in the Patriots offense. You can say Damian Harris, but that's a very crowded backfield. You can say Nikhil Harry, but again, receivers, who knows how he's going to pan out. But you get somebody like Chase Winovich, go kill the quarterback. That's a pretty easy command, and he's doing it very well. Um, so I'm going to stick with my boy Chase Winovich and his beautiful golden locks to, <laughs> to continue to, to wreak havoc. Oh, totally. I mean, I agree with that as well. I, I think that he could be competing for a starting job by the end of the year. Uh, I mean, you look at who he's up against. I think he right now, I mean, John Simon, I would expect to be one of the starters just because he has that outside edge flexibility. And then on the other side, you'll also have a Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins sort of thing. But I would expect Chase Winovich to be in that top four-ish combination or allow the Patriots to move Kyle Van Noy around. I really think that Winovich could be the steal of the draft uh, in the same way that Trey Flowers was in 2015. Really excited about that. Um, Alec, do you have any other thoughts on this Patriots-Titans game? I don't. I was very excited for these these rookies to, to show, showcase their wares, and they've done so very well. But I'm even more excited, Rich, not about the players that are new, but the players that are old who have now returned to the team, both from injury status and suspension status. And we're going to talk about those guys in just a second. All right, we are back, and I am really excited for this part of the podcast, Rich, because I'm not sure if you've been paying attention to the interwebs as of late, but uh, <laughs> a couple of splashes have been made in Patriots land. A couple of guys have been released. A couple of guys have come off the pup list. And one guy in particular uh, is no longer suspended indefinitely by Roger Goodell. Where do they start with these kind of off-the-field moves the Pats have made the past couple days? Oh, man. I mean, let's start on the offensive side of the ball because I think that is clearly where it all is taking place. Um, wide receiver, player coming back. Or actually, you know what? Sorry. Let's start with the people that gotten released. I feel like that's a better place to start. That's fair. The yeah, Patriots released Dontrell Inman, a wide receiver, upon his own request. Inman was really far down the Patriots receiver depth chart, and we'll talk about why that was looking even less likely for him to have an impact this year. But, I mean, he was behind Philip Dorsett, Maurice Harris, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, and then even probably Braxton Berrios. So he's a veteran. He will probably land somewhere. He already has a workout with the Detroit Lions. More power to him. Uh, but the Patriots released him because they had some players returning on offense. Alec, do you want to take that away? Sure. Edelman is off the pup list. He was dealing with a thumb injury. He's been practicing now. He should see at least a limited snaps, I'm guessing, on Thursday's game if Tom Brady plays. I'm excited to see Julian Edelman back in, the MVP of Super Bowl 53. He was nursing a hand injury, and I'm excited to see him back. So I'm sorry Edelman had to go to make room for Edelman, make room for Edelman but them's the breaks, Dontrell. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, the fact that Edelman is back changes the complexion of the offense, never mind the other receiver change that we'll talk about in a little bit. But you add an Edelman back to this offense, and, I mean, how much value does it get when you have his ability as the number one guy trickling down to other players also getting more open, having easier and more beneficial matchups? So you're no longer going to have Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers drawing most of the coverage attention. You'll have Edelman who will take some players away. Maybe they'll free up some opportunities for the running backs out of the backfield, but it will certainly make the matchups easier for Harry and Myers. We already know that Edelman has a great rapport with Tom Brady. I am not concerned whatsoever about how he'll look when he returns. I don't think that there'll be any slowdown from the player that we saw in the postseason. 
And in fact, uh, I would expect the Patriots to rely on him pretty heavily this year. They gave him a nice little raise. They gave him a little extension. So I would expect him to be as featured in this Patriots offense as we've seen in the past with how the Patriots used Wes Welker, especially seeing how Edelman always became a greater focal point whenever Rob Gronkowski was not available. Edelman should be the Patriots' number one receiver. And I wouldn't be shocked if he finished the end of the year as one of the top 10 most productive receivers in the league. Especially because Edelman will for sure benefit from coverages having to be drawn towards another receiver on the roster that will definitely open up the underneath routes for him. Big dude, 6'3", over 200 pounds. Haven't heard much about him because of some off-field circumstances. But Demarius Thomas practiced today uh, in, in, in shells and sweats. He's out there running some sprints. He's not off the pup list yet, but he's being more active. And maybe that points to him maybe not getting the Foxborough flu for too long. Uh, I'm glad to see him back on the practice field. Yeah, I mean, he tore his Achilles pretty late. I want to say it was week 16 this past year. So it's a very speedy recovery for him. And it's important to note that, uh, you know, even if he's lost a little bit of a step, and I'd be curious to know how much of a loss that was. And, uh, you know, in all honesty, it, it'll take some time for him to knock off the rust. But comparing him to a player like Chris Hogan, and the fact is, is that Demarius Thomas might not even be number receiver three or four in this Patriots offense. But Thomas was a 677-yard receiver last year after a stretch of, you know, pretty much top-of-the-league production from 2012 to 2016. Uh, essentially, once Peyton Manning retired, his production dropped off a little bit. I would expect him to have a little bit of a renaissance in New England now that he's catching passes from Tom Brady as opposed to Brock Osweiler. And I think it's really important to note that last year, the Patriots' number two receiver was Chris Hogan. We can be serious, right? Chris Hogan. And Chris Hogan has exceeded 550 receiving yards once in his entire career. And that is a mark that Demarius Thomas has reached every single year dating back to 2011. He didn't get it his rookie year. But when we're talking about a potential number three or number four receiver being more productive than the Patriots' number two receiver from last year, you're in a very good spot. So you add back Edelman, you add back Thomas, and you have that trickle-down effect that I was talking about. And things are looking up for Tom Brady in the offense. They are. I mean, think about this lineup. You've got Tom Brady. You've got Julian Edelman. You've got Demarius Thomas. You've got Philip Dorsett. You've got Jacoby Myers. I mean, what more could you possibly want at your receiving core than those, those guys right there? I can't think of anything else you could possibly need if you're the Patriots, and this receiver depth looks great right now. What am I missing? Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? I think there was some news that came out about, oh, Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon. <laughs> Josh Gordon has had his suspension and his indefinite suspension lifted. He is currently on the Patriots, you know, uh, reserve list right now. He is just warming up on the field on Monday. It will remains to be seen how soon he'll be into football action for the Patriots. It makes a lot of sense for them to transition him back as he's returning from suspension. Bill Belichick has definitely emphasized that Josh Gordon's long-term health is of the utmost importance. I respect that. I expect that to be the priority for the Patriots, regardless of what Josh Gordon's able to do on the football field itself. But Alec, the return of Josh Gordon, what does that mean for the Patriots? I mean, what doesn't it mean? I, I don't know. Uh, let's be honest. Let's, let's temper the excitement a little bit. 
when he's on the field, he was an absolute game changer for the Patriots. There's no denying that. What he was able to do in a very short amount of time, he completely altered this offense. However, he made it to the bye week, and then he relapsed again. I genuinely hope, as a human being, football aside, he's healthy and he's in a good headspace and he's back to a point where he can really move on with his life and really be successful. But I don't think the Patriots can rely on him until he proves week in and week out that he's he's past this. But I also want to make sure that they utilize him in the way they can because that's just such a formidable receiving core. When Nikhil Harry and Josh Gordon on the outside, then then Edelman, Dorsett, and or Jacoby Myers in the slot, I mean, how do you defend against that? That's just an amazing, an amazing receiver core with a very solid running game behind it with James White coming out of the backfield even in some weird sets. So I, I think that they are going – Really big at receiver, as I've mentioned several times, and Gordon fits that to a T. There are three receivers in the Patriots who are over 6'3", 220. It's an amazing thing to have. Uh, again, I just don't want to sit here and be like, oh, Gordon's back. He's going to play all 16 games and have 23 touchdowns like Randy Moss did. I will temper expectations. I'll be optimistic for him as a player. Hopefully he will be okay as a as a man and as a, a man dealing with mental health issues. But – there's reason to be excited, but I think we should all make sure that we realize that this could very easily be gone by week four again. Who knows? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and as we said, Josh Gordon's wellness is the number one priority. But we can dream, right? We, we can we dream can. that Josh Gordon will be a part of this Patriots offense. And, I mean, honestly, if I am Josh McDaniels, I am drooling at the potential of, you know, having a no tight end offense. You know, I, I, the last time the Patriots had this. I don't know. Tight ends have always been a very important part of the Bill Belichick offense, but even add in Ben Watson, who, you know, despite his advanced age, is still a pretty dangerous receiver out there. So if you have, you know, James White as a great receiver out there, heck, even Damian Harris and maybe even Sony Michelle can become more involved as receivers. They've shown that they've been able to do so, especially in, in the college level. But as you mentioned, Harry on the outside, Gordon on the outside, Edelman, Thomas, this is potentially you know there's I, I i i'm i'm speechless there hasn't been a patriots offense that offers this much upside if everything falls in the patriots favor you know that's the big if but yeah if everything works this could be the best patriots offense i mean this offense rich could be so good the patriots don't punt all year <laughs> oh yeah, that's because that's another change that happened with the Patriots is that they've released three-time Super Bowl champion and quite honestly could have been MVP of two of those Super Bowls, punter Ryan Allen, uh, to make way for their their rookie Jake Bailey. So Alec, what does that move mean? As far as punter getting released being news, uh, it doesn't happen very often. But this is a situation where this is news. Ryan Allen was a great punter. He will not be unemployed for very long. You and I were talking before the podcast started officially recording about how we're surprised the Pats didn't try and trade him for like a six-round pick or something like that because someone's going to want to pick him up at some point. Um, if you look at just the the 12 possessions the Rams had in Super Bowl 53, two of them were outside the 30. Usually they were on the 25 or inside the 10, and that was all Ryan Allen. What a, what a treasure he was. But – Proofs in the pudding, and your eyes don't lie, and Jake Bailey is legit. He rockets those balls. Five-plus seconds of hang time, which is absurd. I think my favorite play of the game against the Titans was a, a punt he made from the end zone. <laughs> it was it was a 60, 65-yard punt that was fair caught. 
You never see that. You never see a guy fair catch a punt coming out of the end zone because the punters are trying to just get some distance on it and get some field position back. But he is – obviously he won the job. It's a right-footed punter, which is an anomaly. They moved up in the draft to get him. And whenever you move up in the draft to get a punter, it's pretty obvious he's going to be your guy. He's had the preseason to prove his time. My real concern for him was as a holder, if Goskowski trusted him enough on the hold. And he actually had a pretty bad hold uh, on the missed field goal against the Titans as well. But that's that's going to come with practice and reps. And I'm glad that this punter competition is over earlier in the preseason. So, A, Allen can find a job more quickly. And, B, Bailey can work on that chemistry with ghosts like I was talking about. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect Ryan Allen to be unemployed much longer. I would expect him to land somewhere pretty quickly. You know, the next couple of days, that should make sense. But uh, is it too late for me to change my opinion from Chase Winovich to Jake Bailey for being the rookie that's going to have the biggest impact? Because, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be doing kickoffs as well as and those punts. He could have the most touches of any of the Patriots rookies <laughs> all year. So that's going to be a big move. Patriots have done a pretty good job investing into their special teams, especially after such a rough start to last year. You know, it's putting a little bit of, uh, you know, a lot of bit of trust into a rookie in Jake Bailey, but it's very clear that the Patriots wanted to move on from Ryan Allen over the past couple of years that, you know, there's nothing wrong with Allen uh, from like an upside standpoint, but they would have liked a little bit more of the high end consistency because, you know, for every game like Ryan Allen had against the St. Louis or the St. Louis Rams, the Los Angeles Rams, uh, he would have, you know, a few just very nondescript days of a couple 35 yard punts. And I, I mean, if Jake Bailey can be that consistent five plus second hang time punter, that's going to be enormous for both the New England defense and what the team Patriots are able to do on both sides of the ball just by, you know, knowing that Bailey is really a weapon. No, oh, for sure. A couple of fun facts about Jake Bailey. Uh, he was an intern for uh, Condoleezza Rice at one point. Really? And uh, he, she was a member of the Stanford faculty, so he interned for her. And he's also in the process of getting his pilot's license. So huh. if the Patriots ever need an emergency pilot to fly home from games, he can do that as well. So maybe that probably didn't factor in, but the fact that he went to Stanford is a smart guy. And he's very motivated. I think that kind of fits in the Belichick mold of just a hard worker. And I'm excited to see him on the team. Um, it's funny. I've said it before and I'll say it again, Rich. You know you're spoiled when when the punter battle is a real intriguing storyline for you. You're not sweating over who's going to pass the ball to people or who's going to catch it. It's more like, oh, who's going to kick the punts on the rare times <laughs> that my team punts? So once again, we are blessed to be Patriots fans. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, I, you know, I really appreciate the Patriots move of releasing Ryan Allen this early in the offseason, allowing him to have that – freedom to sign wherever he would like to you know that's like a really nice team friendly or i guess player friendly move by the patriots and there are two more preseason games left the patriots will be playing the carolina panthers and we might get a first view of some of the starters and so alec thinking of this thursday's game against the carolina panthers what will you be looking out for uh, one, just for Tom Brady to show up and make an appearance on the field. That'll be nice. Uh, I, he, I'd be amazed if he doesn't start. This would be an absurd thing because it's week three of the preseason. We all know how crucial that week three preseason game is. Hopefully it'll be at least half of the starters. And of that half, I want to see the, as we talked about again, Rich, the, the Tom Brady to Jacoby Myers connection. Even if they don't really hook up that much, if he's targeting him, if he looks his way, if he gets him in the right spot, if he trusts him, he motions him, I want to see how Tommy B and Myers work on the field together at the same time. It is one thing to catch passes from Stidham and Hoyer. 
Another thing altogether to catch passes from Tom Brady. So Jacoby Myers is a big part of the Patriots offense uh, with Tom Brady throwing in the ball. I think that's a very good sign of a great opportunity. I hopefully Nikhil Harry will not start. I want to keep nursing an injury. We mentioned Josh Gordon is not ready to play and eligible. He's got to pass his physical and all that stuff. Demarius Thomas still on the pup list. I don't know if he maybe some rest, but he wants nurse that hand injury. So no need to go into that too quickly. So Myers has every chance in the world to catch a lot of passes from Tom Brady. And if he can keep up his performance with, with Brady as he has in Hoyer and Stidham, that'll really solidify a spot, not only in the roster, but that, that starting line that you talked about with the Steelers. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think that the number one thing that I'll be looking for against the Carolina Panthers is uh, kind of like a, a first version of the depth chart. So, yeah, first is whether Jacoby Myers will be lining up with the top unit or not. There aren't too many other alternatives, but is Philip Dorsett going to be available to play out there? Who's going to be out there with Tom Brady? Who's going to get all of the reps? But also on the offensive line, is Isaiah Wynn going to continue to lock down that left tackle spot? He made his debut last week uh, against the Tennessee Titans, had about 15 snaps or so. And so giving him the opportunity to continue to lock down that left tackle spot, build that consistency and continuity continuity with Joe Tooney at left guard that is going to be something to watch out for as well as just seeing how are some of these other defenders going to line up you know where does Michael Bennett line up next to the Lawrence guy who is the other defensive tackle going to be in the middle of the field does Mike Pennell or Danny Shelton get that role or did they like what they saw from Byron Cowart and there's going to be some more opportunities for him Uh, again what we mentioned with Chase Winovich where does he stack compared to the veterans on the roster and just seeing how the Patriots imagine deploying some of those other players in their secondary because they have so much depth you know they've been playing with Terrence Brooks uh, in place of Patrick Chung just because there have been some injuries out there. Patrick Chung has had his no-contact injury uh, and just hasn't really been participating as much. And so there are all of these opportunities for the Patriots to show their hand of these players are in great standing, these players are competing for a roster spot, and this will be our first great look to understand where these players are on the Patriots roster. So, Rich, do you think that the starters we see on Thursday night's game on offense and defense is a at least a decent indicator of the lineup we'll see against the Steelers week one? Uh, I, I would say so, you know, with some pluses and minuses due to injuries and uh, just regular availability. I don't even know if Edelman will play just because he hasn't, you know, he's just getting back from that injury. So there will be some changes based off the injury. But in general, I would expect, however, the Patriots line up for the first quarter, maybe first half against the Carolina Panthers will look pretty similar to the the top units that the Patriots will trot out against the Steelers. Really interesting. I, and I, I, I agree with you, but I'm always curious as to see how the Patriots try to A, manage their starters, and B, continue to evaluate talent when week three of the preseason comes along. I'm excited that it's up against a mobile quarterback in Cam Newton because mobile quarterbacks have given the Patriots problems in the past, and I'm excited to see what Chase Wendovich can do against a guy like Cam Newton, big guy, mobile guy, hard to bring down, and that's a really good indicator if he has the gap discipline I talked about earlier, if he overcommits or not, how he runs up there, and putting him next to me, Michael Bennett, if he does get up there with the starters, even in a rotational capacity, should be a lot of fun to watch. And having Jason McCourty out there with Stefan Gilmore and Joan Williams is a guy that I want to see do well with the starters as well, because I think he's had a really good preseason besides some dumb penalties he's had, but having a big rangy corner like that with a big uh, – Bunch of guys up front. I think it bode really well. 
And the linebacking core we talked about as well, who's going to feel those, those four starting linebackers. So maybe not so much the, the actual plays themselves, but who's out there will solve a lot of mysteries for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess maybe one last question I will have for this game is, uh, who do you think has the, the most to gain and or who do you think will have the most to lose from this Thursday's game? Yeah, it's a good question. In terms of the most to gain, uh, it's not a terms of gain in terms of uh, solidifying a roster spot because he's 100% a roster lock, but I think Isaiah Wynn has a lot to gain from getting some meaningful reps with the starters against the starters. Looked good in limited action, uh, but I want to see him improving more. I want to see him doing more. And maybe a situation where they bring Dan Skipper in a relief duty and he solidifies himself as the backup. Because when they lost Adrian Waddle in the offseason, they lost their swing tackle. And that's an important position, especially if they want to go big on the jumbo sets for the goal line packages and whatnot. So I think that Inman had, uh, excuse me, um, Wynn has the most to gain in terms of just his own personal growth and his and his his just ability to get out there and feel comfortable. Um, most to lose, that's a good question. Uh, I think the problem is there's just so many bodies in the secondary right now. Uh, I think Duke Dawson's as good as gone. Uh, maybe they get him out there and and he shocks the world. Um, but at this point, uh, I just don't see it. And you can just add him to a list of a very very long second to fourth round DBs that just didn't quite pan out in New England, and hopefully he'll do well elsewhere. So I'm going to list him on that. But tell you who's been kind of struggling a little bit, Rich, uh, in my opinion, is, uh, is Keon Crossan. Uh, I don't think he's been playing as well as he could have been. I don't think he's been playing badly. And I'm not saying he has had a, a poor preseason, but looking at the the depth chart for the for the Patriots right now, there's a couple of really good corners, Jonathan Jones maybe, Keon Crossan, that – won't be around come cutdown day. And so I think if Keon Crossan wants to show the team why he belongs, he's got to do something to stand out. Oh, totally. I agree. I I would say that the Keon Crossan and Duke Dawson combo is where I would put a lot of my focus because you look at that depth and honestly, them as well as Obi Melifonwu, they are trying to not just compete for a roster spot, but they're trying to make the argument that the Patriots need to keep one of those players instead of dedicating that roster spot to a different position because there already is so much depth at that cornerback position with Gilmore, Jones, McCourty, uh, and uh, J.C. Jackson. So add in Joe Juan Williams being a roster lock as his draft status. The, those are players, uh, Obi, Keon, and Duke. They need to show that they're worth more than Patriots keeping an extra receiver or a tight end or one of their linebackers or pass rushers. So they are not just competing with each other. They're competing with the entire roster. So they are someone that need to have a great outing out there. They have the most to win. They have the most to gain. Uh, they also have the most to lose. And I would say on the offensive side at wide receiver, the availability of Maurice Harris is going to be huge. I, he was the favorite receiver for the Patriots in camp for most of the summer, and he's been dealing with a nagging injury. He had a few drops in that first preseason game, and honestly, he hasn't had the opportunity to fully reestablish himself as that top receiving option. So whether or not he is available goes a long way to whether or not he can, you know, earn a roster spot just because if you can't count them to be on the field, you got a bunch of other injured receivers that have arguably more uh, ability and upside that are also trying to get those same roster spots. 
For sure, especially with Tom Brady playing. That's this is the money half coming up here. This this first half of the week one when Tom Brady's throwing the ball. If he's not even looking your way, kiss your ass goodbye. Uh, I'll tell you who better have a hell of a good game on Thursday is Jake Bailey. Now that he's safe and he's got a <laughs> roster spot, if he starts shanking punts, even though they'll they kept Ryan Allen's number, bring him back in. But I think he'll probably be gone by Thursday. So the pressure's now on Bailey to keep delivering. Oh, absolutely. And we'll we'll have more breakdown of this Patriots Panthers game at patspulpit.com. And I'm really excited to finally, hopefully, fingers crossed, see Tom Brady on the field. And Alec, do you have any final thoughts on Week Three of the preseason? Should be a good one. I'm excited for it. This is the most meaningful of the meaningless games uh, should be uh, you uh you predicted a Tennessee Titans win 27-23 last time i picked patriots 21-10 um i'm going to pick uh patriots lose this one they come out they play like absolute crap belichick goes ballistic everyone starts to get worried and the patriots drop one to drop the 2 and 1 on the preseason because why the hell not i'll say panthers win this one It's 27-22. Oh, 27-22. I'm going to go the opposite direction. I expect Tom Brady to come out hot. I would expect Jarrett Stidham to do a great job in the second half. I would expect him to get as many reps as possible. And, you know, honestly, Patriots will beat the Panthers because outside of Cam Newton, once they bench him, they don't really have any other quarterbacks. And so uh, Patriots should win this one by pulling away in the second half, winning that one something like 33 to 21. 33 to 21. I like it. Who's the back of quarterback for the, the Taylor Hinky still? Is he still the back of quarterback for the Panthers? I don't even know. Yeah, they have yeah. Uh, him as well as they, they drafted Will Greyer and they also have Kyle Allen. And I think Kyle Allen is technically the, the number two guy out there for them, but honestly, not a lot. They haven't been playing very well according to most reports. Yeah, that's a veritable who's who of who's that. <laughs> it's so true. And yeah. we'll be excited to watch the who's that on Thursday. Alec, until next time, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later, man.